Okay. All right. So here, yeah, here's We're the, on the air? Uh, yeah, this is gonna be the new episode. Yeah, wow, well, well, episode four. Episode four. Okay, here we go. Sure. Hello, and welcome to I Know the Owner, a podcast where bar people talk about bar stuff. I'm Charlene Wellington. I'm here with my co-host and guest, Stuart Wellington. Uh-huh, and I know we're, the owner. He does, and I do. Um, we're here, i got to take a sip. Delicious. We're here at Hinterland's Bar. Uh-huh. Um, it is our last night of indoor dining. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Charlene. <laughs> yeah, I'm having Stuart back so fast uh-huh. because it's our last night of... Um, people being allowed inside, and so we thought we'd do some kind of a little special episode. Um, just to let you guys know, I'm completely unprepared, but I think it's going to be fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, so, Stuart, Stuart looks toward the driver's seat. See, no one is driving. No one is Gets driving. Um, you know Quietly buckles seatbelt. You, you know what's driving? What? Mezcal. Mezcal, okay. Mezcal is driving. This Mezcal Negroni is that... that that Kate made for me is oh, driving. Uh, what's in a mezcal Negroni, Charlene? Uh, love. Oh wow. Love is in it. Okay. Love is in it. <laughs> oh wow. Every attempt to uh, steer this away from being about cocktail stuff. Yeah, I I never want to talk cool. about cocktail ingredients. Understand uh-huh. that. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so, for having me back, Charlene. This is fun. Yeah, this is fun. Um, so, like I said, this is the last night of indoor dining. Uh-huh. We are in um, New York City. Yep. Um, we're in the middle of a COVID pandemic, just to keep everyone updated on what's going on. And okay, yeah. the governor just announced um, that coming Monday, which is tomorrow, uh-huh. um, indoor dining is to cease. So we can do outdoor dining uh-huh. and we can do takeout. But it's December, so I don't see a lot of outdoor dining in our little... Uh, neighborhood bar so we're gonna close um, Uh during the week and we'll be open on the weekends Uh and we're just gonna try to get through it now like I kind of want to bring this up because you know I don't know if the people listening are familiar with or if they're all you know working bars and stuff Mm -hmm. but as bar owners Mm -hmm. we have had to watch the mayor and the governor's daily addresses Every fucking day for like nine months. It's brutal. Um, first, the the mayor of New York, um, William de Blasio. <laughs> sure. Wow, that was a weird way to be a burn on him, but kind of not. <laughs> the mayor of New York um, decided to have a press conference every single day as if he has yeah. nothing else to do. I swear it's because he saw Cuomo do it, and he, he's it, like, oh, I, I can do this too. Seriously. And there's something about his voice that's so condescending. It sounds to me like like an abusive husband trying to tell his crazy wife to calm down. Yeah. And it's two hours of it. You can't get any other news while yeah, he's doing while it. While he's like secretly gaslighting her. Yeah. And then on Friday, we all knew there was going to be a big announcement about our future, and I watched the governor talk for a half hour about um, nonsense, and then he finally was like, oh yeah, and we're closing 
bars and restaurants. Yeah, it's weird. Like, he, uh, it was all like, he's a showman, so he knows he's got to, like, he can't put his big information up front. He's got to... It was, like, an M. Night Shyamalan, like, twist during, oh, this, cool. during okay. this press conference where he went on about which, um, you know, who is responsible for the most COVID cases, and we were down at the bottom of the list, and he was like, you know, we thought we got a pass, and then he was like, but we're going to close you anyway. So... Mm-hmm. Um, now that's yeah. an interesting cultural reference you made, and M Night Shyamalan twist. Uh, what's what would you say is your favorite M Night Shyamalan movie? Um, it's the one where the dead guy. <laughs> you know the guy. Yeah, who's dead. no, you're right. You got he it. He sees dead people. Yeah, he sees dead people. Do you? Can you at least tell me who the guy is? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. You're right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Good job, Bruno himself. Yes, I know stuff. Yeah, no, you got it. I don't know the names of things, but. I can picture the movie in my head. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah that's halfway there. Yeah. Uh, so last time I was on, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about your bar history, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit about what you wanted to do or what this podcast is. Uh-huh. Um, what do you want to do today? Um, I don't know. You want to talk about your bar history? <laughs> I mean, you know most of it, but maybe you can learn something. I don't know. All right. Um... Sure. How'd you get into this game, Stuart? Uh, I mean, the uh, like a lot of things, I followed a woman. Uh, I feel like that kind of defines a lot of my life. But um, uh, this time, yeah, I was working in a uh, I was working in retail, um, and I was. Hey, Jamie, can you turn the music down a little bit? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was working in retail for a long time. I was working for a model soldier company, Games Workshop. And uh, mm-hmm. I was—I think by the time that we met, I was like a man, like a regional manager or something. You became regional manager. Yeah. Well, while we were together. Yeah. Shortly, I think shortly after. Very shortly. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I got laid off. Like the recession eventually hit that business, and I had nothing to do. And I tried a couple different other retail options, and none of them really fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all like a bummer. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, one was a real bummer. Was that was that uh, Radio Shack? I think you described yes. my face when you came to visit me as the opposite of getting a blowjob. It was pretty pretty bad. Which is, <laughs> I feel like that's probably one of the most uh, perfectly captured descriptions I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, you hopefully you were really unhappy. Yeah. Not only were you unhappy, but you had no time that you weren't working to try to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, so I, I gave that three months, and I realized it wasn't for me, and I left. And then uh, I was unemployed for a while, and I think eventually, I think I wore you down. And, like, I'd been helping you do stuff for the bar for a while, mm-hmm. but eventually I think you were just like, fuck it, I'll train you out of bar back. See, I remember it as I made you quit that job, and you didn't want to quit. Yeah, that's true. It w- it's not in your character to quit a job, no matter how horrible it is. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 you you have to quit this job. I'm, it's killing you. I'm very responsible, Charlene. <laughs> I will suffer in silence. I know you will. <laughs> and I was like, I can't watch you suffer in silence. You're never going to find another job unless you quit this job. Yeah. And you quit. And then, yeah, you like helped me out at the bar a little bit at, at Charlene's, and... Um, I think I was like, at Charlene's, I was like, I would help you slice the fucking 
uh, what was that? I would I'd bring food over on Fridays because you guys did a weird fucking oh, dumb thing. Yes, we did a dumb Where thing. Your partner we made did that happy hour, and I had to go pick it up during rush hour and drive it. 10 blocks and it took 45 minutes yeah it was like uh just <laughs> it ex- was rice yeah just to explain uh when charlene's first opened it was not busy at all and not busy. uh the former regulars hated it and, uh, and hated the, me yeah and the locals did not like it spit on the floor yeah they spit on the floor <laughs> i'm sure we'll get to those stories but uh one of the one of the like business ideas your partner had was to uh buy Fried rice from a business he owned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and that and sell that. So he, so he sold it to, he, to, I had to his pay other him for business. It. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just put out like fried rice and like what like egg roll spring rolls or something. There was it was always spri- fried rice and then there was another thing which was sometimes spring rolls, sometimes I don't even know but yeah basically like spring rolls yeah and I remember (laughs) I would have to help you drive that shit over on rush hour through Park Slope Brooklyn which rush hour on a Friday in Park Slope was the fucking worst thing in the world it was the worst and the bar is on Flappish Avenue so there's never parking that's the thing like (laughs) if I if I really if I want to torture an enemy forever I would buy him or her a car. Let's, let's, frankly, you know, let's cut to the chase. It's a him. My enemy's a him. Uh, buy him a car and then make him drive to, through Park Slope, Brooklyn on Friday uh, at, 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 at rush hour. Rush hour. Um, and rush hour is 3 o'clock at yeah. Park Slope because everyone's picking their kids up from school in their cars. And I remember, so I, we would drop it off and set it all up, and then the next thing... Because I would always come and help you close on Fridays. And then we'd have to dump it out. And I would always <laughs> dump out like a full fucking chafing tray. Of rice. Of, of fried, fried rice. rice that was Sometimes like, I would take it home. Yeah. And then we, but we, we wouldn't really eat it. I don't remember eating a lot, of maybe. I, I think throughout the night I would eat it because uh-huh. it was there. Yeah. And it was like, it would get really crispy on the bottom from the little candle. Yeah, the little like, yeah. And nobody would come in and nobody would eat it. And we would throw it in the garbage yeah. and then we'd have to wash all of the chafing dishes yeah it was so stupid <laughs> it was so stupid Oy. um but it was like it was coming in late to help you close and then like i think you guys charlene's wasn't busy enough to have a bar back at the time mm-hmm. so like but like for special events like i think i helped you bar back for like new year's eve yes and, yes because also like what else am i gonna do i'm gonna be with my wife yeah, on, yeah. or my i guess what fiance at the time? I don't remember. Um, I think we got engaged when you were at Radio Shack. Yeah, so I think I was—I would have been your fiance at this yes. point. Yes. Um, and so we I like. Affianced. Yeah, I slowly like <laughs> learned some stuff, and I think during the summer, I think my first like full-on gig you helped me get, which was um, I worked at the Prospect Park Celebrate Brooklyn shows. Yes. Yes. Which were uh, a series of concerts back when we were allowed to have concerts. Oh was, man, those were fun. Yeah, it was like a series <laughs> of concerts in um, in Prospect Park that were mainly free, and there were a few ticketed events. And I did half a summer there, and it was like I was a bar back, and the way it was set up was that the guy who ran the whole thing also was like a beer importer, mm-hmm. um, and he and you knew those guys, so yes. you got me the gig. Yes. Um, and so there were barbacks and there were servers. And the way it was set up was the barbacks would pour all the beers, they'd move all the kegs around. It was all outside. And they would also, like, 
put bottled beer and wine in uh, ice uh, ice chests, like uh, coffins. You know what just struck me? I feel like that is the model for what every bar is doing now, where mm-hmm. the bartender does not serve the drink directly to the customer. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah the barbacks would do all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then there were bartenders, and the bartenders would. Uh, they were like the, they would just take the orders and and pass the drinks to the people, and che- I don't even think they checked the wristbands. They just like took money and took orders. Um, the wristbands to see if anybody was old enough. Yeah, because okay. you would get like a wristband when you'd go in, um, and it was like it was fucking fun. Like all I did yeah. is like did the grunt work, and I didn't have to talk to people, except for the time there was uh, one time a girl like called me out from behind the thing. She was like, hey, you, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, I came out like all annoyed, like, what the fuck does this bitch want? (laughs) (laughs) And she she was like, hey. uh," What did that bitch want, Stuart? (laughs) And she was like, you know, I mean, and I was like, and she was like, hey, what what are you doing after the show? And I'm like, oh, uh, I, 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 going out? Like, I don't know, like, I was still like taken aback because I thought she was like, like needed something. That was your first taste of yeah. being a hot bartender yeah. that, that women hit on. Unfortunately for you, you never got to be a single bartender. I mean, fortunately <laughs> or unfortunately? I don't know. I yeah. guess fortunately. Yeah, I mean... Um, so they... So, that was, I mean, there was a great gig, and I, like, fucked up my hand one night. Yes, like, I remember that. Um, and I... Uh, like I cut myself real bad, and it was it was like it was a fun gig, and like the barbacks. What did your boss tell you to do when you cut your hand real bad? That it basically needed stitches. Yeah, so I like <laughs> I was I was fucking around. I was trying to like get another garbage bag because we ran out of garbage bags. So I was like I reached into a di- around a different garbage bag in like one of those like steel drum garbage uh-huh. car- garbage cans, and I like sliced my finger open real bad. Mm-hmm. And I could, like, see the tendons moving. Ah! It was so gross. <laughs> In so, case you can't tell, I'm squinting really hard. <laughs> so I so I didn't know what to do. So I, like, it was the middle of a show. Um, and so I, like, ran over and found the guy who ran the thing. And he was, like, he took me to the special bathroom that the entertainers get to use. Ooh, and the clean I, bathroom. And then I used a sink to rinse it off. Mm-hmm. And then he had me wrap it up. And then hold it up in the air, and I'm like, I didn't have insurance. I was like, Yeah. Uh, and he had me hold it up in the air, and he gave me a Bud Light. <laughs> and then I waited off to the side until uh, we had finished the night, and everybody had split up the tips. And then I went to Charlene's, where you were working, and, and your Milton, who was in school to become a nurse, he's a nurse yeah. now. Yeah. So yeah, and he uh, he like helped me tape it up, and he was like, "If it gets worse, you can get stitches." And I didn't get stitches, and Yay, it's fine. Yay! So, Milton fixed it. Yeah, he fixed it. It was uh, yeah, it was fucking scary. Um, but yeah, it was like it was a fun gig. Like you hang out outside, you leave with a bunch of cash. I gotta say, I think every bartender has a story about how they injured themselves really badly and continued to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know story about story of. Um, bartenders that cut their hand up, like wrapped it up, and like stayed until the end of the shift. Yeah. So that's, what's this what feels like a do. this feels like a teaser. What's your what's your story? Um, I mean, I guess I I did cut my hand. I was doing a favor for a friend, and I was working in a restaurant, and um, the little metal disc at the bottom of the candles 
uh-huh. um, is actually, like, we have them too. Yeah, it holds yeah. the wick in place. It's actually really sharp. And the, like, little tea candles? Yeah, and the yeah. tea candles. And I had reached in near the ice well, and it, like, must have fallen off and got in there, and I cut, um, like, right around my thumb. And it oh, was, shit. Yeah, and it was gushing blood. And I didn't know any of these people. I was just working there as a favor for a friend. I had hoped to get a job Where there. Where was this? It was, it was in Bay Ridge. Oh man, I, I think it was Muses. Okay. Now I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. It was the Pearl Room. It was definitely the Pearl Room. The, it was the Pearl, Pearl Room, room in Bay the Pearl Ridge. Pearl Room in Bay Ridge. Is that still there? I don't know. I don't know what's still where. Oh, okay. Um, but a few years, like a year or two ago, I remember it was still there. Okay. Cool. Um, so it was the Pearl Room Bay Ridge. I didn't know the owners or the other workers. It was yeah. I only worked there one day, but I wanted to get a job there. And my friend Allison knew them, mm-hmm. and she um, she was like, "They need." I think she worked there, and she was like, "They need help this one night." Um, and I came in and I bartended for them, and it was packed. Yeah. And I cut my hand, and then I went and I like wrapped it with like some paper towel or something, and then worked the rest of the shift. And I thought I turned it out. Yeah. Like, I worked my ass off that night, and they never called me again. And I was pretty disappointed. Oh, that sucks. Because, you know, I, I hurt my hand and everything. Yeah. So, I don't know. The, about, uh, and working in the park, obviously it was like, you're working outside. It was like a 6 to 10 o'clock shift. It was like. It was very. It was super easy. Shift. Yeah. And, um. You'd, like, get to hear music or comedy or some shit mm-hmm. the whole time. And then at the end, like, it was an even split. So the barbacks and the bartenders just pooled all the cash from all the stations. And we all, like, hung out counting the piles of cash. There was no credit cards. It was cash only. So we would nice. we'd pile up. Like, yeah. Um, and we'd pile it up. And then we'd, like, you know, we'd, we'd color up all the money. And then... We would we'd take it all, and it was great. Like, and it was an even split, so the barbacks and the bartenders made the same amount. So, which is not not common. Not Usually common. The, yeah. The barback makes like fifteen or twenty percent, and the bartender makes eighty percent. But it was it was also like a different kind of gig. But yeah. It was, yeah, it was super fun. Like that is of the like fun jo- of the jobs I've had. Yeah. That's like up there with most fun. I was always jealous because. I didn't get to know the guy who runs those events until I was about to open Charlene's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like I couldn't go work somewhere because people would be like, isn't that the owner of Charlene's? Like, why is she working here? Yeah. Charlene's must be doing bad. So I never got to got to do it. And I really, and I've gotten a few people jobs there and I really, really wanted to work there and I never got From to. my understanding in the years since, they've changed the system quite a bit mm-hmm. to, to where like the wristband, they have like wristband checkers who mm-hmm. get like, uh, like a significant portion of the cash and That's like, not it's just, yeah, it's just not, a, <laughs> it's not the same. Um, so I did that and then I worked at Radio Shack and then after that I was like stressing and I can't remember, like a friend of a friend heard they were looking for a bar back at this German beer hall in uh, in Fort Greene called Der Schwarze Kölner. I, I think it wasn't even, was it a bar back or were you like the guy who mopped the floor at the end of the night? It's the same thing there. Oh, okay. Because it was your birthday. Yeah, so I got hired and they they were looking for a bar back at the last minute. And this is a, this is a German beer hall that was set up by some people who didn't didn't like they liked German beer and they were German but they didn't have a 
they, at the time they didn't have a ton of restaurant experience. Obviously, yeah. they've been open for years. So yeah, they yeah. Figured it out. Um, but it was it was set up in a way where they didn't have a porter, so there's no one to clean up. Yeah. So the bar back and the bartender at the end of the night had to like mop all the fucking floors yes. and do all this I shit. That. So, I remember it was your birthday and you were so happy to have this new job and to be mopping floors. Yeah, well, I got hired. It was I was literally working the my first shift was the day before my birthday. Okay. So, but we closed at, at you know yeah, midnight. at midnight or whatever. So I was mopping as it, as I as I turned thirty or thirty one or something, and I think it was thirty one. Yeah, because um, I remember thirty. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a big deal for me because. Technically, like this was this was the first gig I got without like, I didn't really get through connections. Yeah, yeah. Like the person I knew who worked there, I didn't really know. He like mm-hmm. knew an old, my old roommate Liz. Yes. Uh, my old roommate Liz, who worked at the Brazen Head, I think she worked with t- this guy Dimitri at the Brazen Head together. Um, and he just like, and I just mentioned like I just mentioned that I had any experience, and they hired me. Um, so I started as a barback. And it was—it's a German beer hall that um, I mean, it's—it's it's, there's no liquor. They don't have a full liquor license, or they didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all like German beer. I think they had like I want to say like a dozen drafts, maybe sixteen. I think they had sixteen because sixteen. Charlene's yeah. we had we had a dozen. Yeah. And that's kind of standard. I think they had more than that. Um, but it was like it was this little place that was kind of thrown together. Um, <laughs> But it, I mean, that's kind of how it was. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was. Uh, and it... And it grew over time. And it grew over time. Like, it's, it's been there. I mean, it's still there. Like it's, how many months did you go from being the floor mopper to the manager? That's a good question. <laughs> I, the funny thing is, I started working there, and within, like, within, like, a, a, I think I, within, like, two weeks, I went from being a barback to being a bartender because... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their bartenders like moved away yeah and I mentioned I had experience which I kind of did but not really I trained you a little bit behind the bar at Charlene's uh-huh. and then I sent you to that bartending school to learn oh. to learn the drinks because I once again never want to talk about the ingredients the funny the thing though is I don't think I I don't think I started going to that bartending school until I think I'd been working at Der oh, Schwarze Kölner yeah oh I don't it was, I think I think I might have done it to get better with cocktails. Oh, okay. Because, um, you know, I could do the beer and wine and everything, mm-hmm. but like specifically like getting confident with your pour. Yeah. Because um, like as soon as you turn your wrist, there's money coming out of that bottle. There's so, money like, you coming can't, out of that bottle. You can't fuck around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like it was, so. The place I worked, it was all German beer, all German and Austrian wine. There's like a little bit of food. There's a cocktail waitress. There was a small kitchen, um, a bar back, and sausages. A, and yeah, and sausages. <laughs> and there was uh, when I first worked, when I first got hired, they didn't have an electric, like they didn't have a barmaid glass washer, mm. and they didn't have a like a full on. Uh, they haven't, didn't have For a those of you that are not in washer. the business, a barmaid glass washer is an electric glass washer that's submerged in a sink, and it has brushes that spin around. So it's not like a dishwasher where you put the glasses in and you walk away. You actually have to hold the glasses over the spinning brushes, and that's how they get clean. So you, you dip your hands in scalding hot water yeah. with uh, chemical soap and rotating brushes, and then you put the glass in scalding hot water with um, 
a rinse aid uh-huh. that like kills 98% of germs and viruses uh-huh. and also takes the skin off your fingers and that's how you how you clean glasses. Telling that story immediately makes me think <laughs> about the the sorry state of my cuticles right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the yeah, so when I first got hired there and they also didn't have like a dishwashing machine. Mm-hmm. I've never worked in a place with a full on like dishwashing machine. Oh, I have. It was glorious. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Uh, well, wait, that's not true. I think uh, I I trained, I trailed at a place. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, the art bar had um, a rotating glass washer where you put the glasses in on one side and then it like goes around and comes out the other side, like like almost like a car wash. I don't know if we um, talked about this. So you, you worked at a place called the Art Bar? I did work at a place is called it, the Art it's Bar. It's still there though, it right? It is still there. Yeah, it's yeah. in the, what, the West Village? West Village, yes. Um, and the steam would come out and you could like put your face over it. The only the only downside was if you needed a specific thing, yeah, you had to like wait for it to come around. Oh, that's brutal. Um, and then it would, when the glasses were done, they would hit like this arm that would shut it off. So if you didn't take the glasses out and put them away, then the rest of the glasses wouldn't get clean. Okay. I mean, I worked at a, uh, years of, when I was in high school, I worked at a Bob Evans restaurant. And I, was uh-huh. a di- I got hired as a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I manned a dish tank, which was kind of similar it was like Ooh, a dish tank a dish this tank has been i know the glass washer <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like a, you know a dish tank's like a podcast a, where glass people talk glass stuff <laughs> we'll talk about cleaning i mean it's very important it's um, very important man i still have like every once in a while i'll still have like nightmares of like having to like scrub out the sausage gravy pot we might have to talk about bob evans i mean we can talk about bob evans right now what do you want to talk about I mean, that's kind of where you got your start in the restaurant industry. That's 100% where I got my start. Where'd you, where'd you get your work ethic from? Oh, I mean, that's, and that's a, I would argue that's a big part of working in the restaurant industry yeah. is like a sense of urgency and work ethic. Yes. Um, so I followed a woman. <laughs> You know, you talk about following a woman, but every time I have an idea, you really fight me on it. <laughs> yeah, but where do I end up? Yeah, I guess you end up acquiescing. <laughs> you end up owning a bar. <laughs> yeah. Because I had that, that idea. Bars. Bars, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so my, uh, well, I was in high school, and I had a high school girlfriend who was a server at Bob Evans. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, I did, like my friends were working and my girlfriend was working, and so I, like I, I wanted to work, and I think, I feel like my parents were not super supportive of it. Uh, I, I don't know, like I get this. They didn't want you to work. No, well, they wanted to work, wanted me to work, but I, like, I always got this feeling More like of a white collar. Yeah, or like I don't know, like some some kind of a job they gave me. Oh, yeah. But you know, like that kind of control issues. Was but, that your first job? Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I feel like I did small jobs, but that was probably my first like job job. That was before the bricklaying job. Yeah, no, okay. I did bricklaying when I was in college gotcha. and that was that was a great uh, another great job. <laughs> uh, and at the time paid very well. But uh, yeah, so I worked at Bob Evans, I got hired as a dishwasher and then I became a busboy. And I was there long enough, I eventually moved up to, I was a line cook, mm-hmm. um, and I mainly worked nights. Eventually, I, I did a couple covers on, like, day shifts, um, but, like, working the day, especially on the weekend at a mm-hmm. Bob Evans, like, you have to be a fucking badass. All eggs. It's Yeah, it's all eggs, and it is, like, they are slammed. Like, that is, 
you are grinding and sweating and finding new ways to like For smoke those of cigarettes. You that are from New York, I learned what a Bob Evans was the first time I went uh, back to Indiana with Stewart. It's kind of like a Denny's. Uh-huh. Um, in a Cracker Barrel. In a Cracker Barrel. It's um, what out what people who live outside New York do instead of go to the diner. They go to a Denny's or a Bob Evans or a Cracker Barrel. And like, this is the lamest thing in the world, but mm. like. It was kind of like that fucking movie with Ryan Reynolds, Waiting. Uh-huh. Because it was like this weird little community that all worked at this shitty restaurant. And That's there was the like... every single yeah. restaurant is. Yeah, there's yeah. the like older manager who's ha- like tries to hang out with the high school kids. Uh-huh. And you're like, I don't want to smoke weed with this fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's like the weird mystery man who works as a uh, as like a prep cook. Like it, it was all that kind of shit. Um was there a thing that like you got as a as like a perk that you couldn't believe? So what what I'm getting at when I got my first bartending job, and I got to drink as much Coca Cola as I wanted. Yeah. That was like the best day of my life. Yeah. I was so excited that I could have as much Coca Cola yeah. as I could ever want. Nobody cared. It was free. Yeah. I could drink it all day long. Yeah. That for me, I mean, for me, it was, yeah, it was Diet Coke. But yeah, yes. that was a huge thing. I feel like I I ate a lot. I was like, I was a pretty big guy when I was in high school, so I ate a lot, and having access to unlimited food was pretty awesome. Um, See, and, the bartender doesn't have access to unlimited food. They get a shift meal, uh-huh. um, and that has, you know, like, if you're still hungry after, you're kind of screwed. But it is nice to get, like, a free meal at work. Yeah. And if you... If you play it right, you can get, you know, like, a steak instead of, like, whatever shitty meal you're supposed yeah. to be able to get. Yeah, the the, the weirdest thing... Yeah, go on. By play it right, I mean give the cook booze. Oh, give the cook booze. <laughs> yeah. So, at Bob Evans, we didn't have booze. So, yeah. that was... I feel like that cut down on some of the shenanigans, but it yeah. would still be like... You know, some of the line cooks would sneak out and smoke weed at the dumpster and come yeah. back in and... Um, yeah, so I worked at Bob Evans for, I feel like, a year or two, on and off. Like, it was a high school gig, so it wasn't, like, a big commitment. Um, and it was tough. Like, I, I had a mohawk through part of that, so they, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't be a busboy then because they didn't want me out on the floor. Oh, you're too uh, counterculture for them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It too probably rebellious. Would've... I mean, it was, like, one of those, like, fat wrestler mohawks, <laughs> so I don't know why they had a big deal. It was one of the, uh, one of the... Probably the most exciting night was the night that there was a, uh, it was like the night before there was a big WWF uh, or WWE, I don't remember what it was at the time, uh, thing, and all the wrestlers were staying at the hotel because the, uh, the Bob Evans I worked at in Fort Wayne was right by the uh, highway, and so one night all those dudes came in. And they ordered so many eggs, Charlene. Like, these dudes ate so much food. They got to get their protein. It was bonkers. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, so that was was Bob Evans. And and then I went through, like, a huge camp. Like, after that, I didn't work in any bar or restaurant. Yeah. So you were working at the Schwarze Kölner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, You were there for years. Yeah, I I think I ended up being there for four years. Mm -hmm. I, like was a bartender for a little bit and I was mainly like I immediately was thrown into like the busy time yeah like I was on the weekend I was the weekend bartender and I was there like I think I started 
at like right at the start of spring. Yeah. And a and beer makes- garden like it just cranks at that time, or did at the uh, initial. And that neighborhood was like an up and coming neighborhood, yeah. and they had yeah. outdoor tables, and it was yeah. Was, um, yeah, and it was fun, and, you know, uh, you, it reminded me a little bit about being a line cook because there was a little bit of, like, the fight between me and the cocktail waitresses. Yes. There were servers in this I case, but, that. I mean, at the time, they were all, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and it was then, fun. And then, Stuart, what made you decide to open a bar? <laughs> I don't know. I was there for a while, and it... Um, <laughs> What made you finally decide to pull that trigger and open a bar? I mean, honestly, like you, I mean, you'd laugh, but it was, I mean, it was, you, you had been talking about, you'd been running Charlene's for a while, owning it, mm-hmm. and you knew that after a couple of years, like, you're going to have to look at opening another one because that's yeah. the cycle. Like, you, um, you only have a lease for so long, and you need to start thinking about what you're going to do because you it, have to diversify. Yeah. And usually for a bar, like obviously there's a little bit of a hit, like a little bit of a bump right when it opens. Yes. But it usually takes about like three to five years. Right. Yeah, yeah it does. Not to, not to share too much of your, your secrets, um, but it usually takes about three to five years for it to start, uh, getting yeah. busy. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I got distracted because Jack just walked in with a, bust of a person or some kind of it's based on me oh okay (laughs) and that that got distracting um so you know welcome um that's that's the thing with uh, i think it's it's to be honest i think it's a mannequin body and i think they're going to use the mannequin body to to like advertise our merch our t-shirts and hoodies here oh that's awesome i had no idea thanks guys um so what were we talking about before that got me distracted? We were talking about, oh, opening a bar. So the thing with being a bartender is you always want to have at least a second job because you never know if one job is going to end because you don't really, you don't really have job security. And I, and I tried. Like, I, yeah. when I was working at the beer hall, like, I felt a little bit limited there. Like, I was... Yeah. Like I can, you can only do so much, and I didn't want to be the best bartender at this one place. <laughs> yes. So, and I, I had talked to the owner, and we had talked about management, and I was like, well, to be honest, like, I mean, people can contest this, but I feel like bar management, or like, yeah, like bar management is a road to disappointment because like, you don't really get to make decisions, and you're basically just like a gopher. Bar management is not a good job. The middle, like, you either want to be the bartender yeah. or the owner. But the, being the manager in, in these little neighborhood bars, I know there are companies yeah. and bigger places where that's that's a really good job. But being a manager in a small place, <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me, bartenders. Being a manager in a small neighborhood place is a thankless job. It's basically the owner wanting a personal assistant and not wanting to, to pay you. And I feel like in a best case scenario, you're going to get to pick the best shifts for yourself. Yes, that's And in true. a worst case scenario, you're a gopher who makes less money than the people you're, yes. you're in charge of. So I knew I wanted to change things up and I knew I wanted some experience with cocktails. 
So I trailed at a tapas place that a friend got me an interview for, a tapas place in the village. So that was exciting. Like, I knew that I'd only worked in Brooklyn, and I wanted to try things out. And I, uh, so I ended up doing a couple trail shifts, and it was, it was fun. It was hard. Yeah. Um, because it was like this weird setup where they only had one well for the whole, only one drink station for the whole place. Yes. And it was a place that needed more than one well. Yes. I remember we were on a tour of the Woolworth building. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is almost never open to the public, and they open to the public for, like, a special anniversary. And I'm a huge um, New York City, like, like history building nut. Yeah. And I was really excited that we were going to go on this tour of the Woolworth building. And then they called you at the last minute either to come trail or yeah. to, to come trail. And so you had to leave. And did I, fin- I think I finished the tour without you. Yeah. Um, and then you didn't get the job. Yeah. I ended up trailing like three or four times. And the uh, so those were like those were full shifts like I would show up and I'd work the whole time and some of those were like crazy yeah. grindy shifts where I'm making like a dozen fucking jalapeno margaritas in a row uh, and the I learned a lot but it was uh, like I didn't get paid it was like it was like it was like an, a Charlene distracted me doing Sorry, this thing to look at a dog. The best dog just walked by. Sorry, guys. The best dog ever just walked by. <laughs> Come on. That's important yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, it's Do important it, stuff. You, t- you took stop. a picture to put up on the no, Instagram, I, right? I, oh, okay. Just if I'll, Let me describe this dog. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Paint me a picture. It was like cappuccino colored. Okay. And it was, I don't know, breeds. But it was like a muscly dog. You look kind of like a golden. Kind of like, maybe like a golden mixed with a pit bull. Okay. And it was walking down the street like it was the leader of a gang. Yeah. And its owner looked like he was the leader of a gang. Yeah. And it was like, don't do don't do don't do And it was just a really good dog that I had to point out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to point out good dogs. Oh, sure. <laughs> the, uh... Go on. <laughs> So yeah, so I I, I worked I worked those sh- trail shifts for like three or four times, and my only like compensation was a shift meal, which while nice because the restaurant was good, yeah, and it wasn't like it I've wasn't just staff meal. They let there. me like order a meal. They were like, "This is your last meal." And so <laughs> I did that, and I was like, "Okay, so these are the shifts available." Like I was about ready to to like drop some shifts or possibly end up having to quit my yeah. my gig. And in while, that week while I was trailing, they, like, changed their management up, and they got a new bar manager, and the bar manager was wanted to bring their own bartender in, which yes. I do, I'm, I'm not going to fault him for it, uh, but it was like... You got caught in the cracks. Yeah, so I, like, literally the day I was planning on giving my notice that I had to drop a couple shifts, I got the call where I was not getting the Luckily, gig. it didn't happen the day after that. Oh, exactly. <laughs> no, that was lucky. <laughs> And, like, in that time, I tried to get a couple other gigs. There was one where I went to an interview, and I studied everything in the packet oh, they gave me. I remember me. this. We were on vacation, and you spent the whole... It's w- so was it funny. a plane It's ride? a fucking story of my, like, career, right? Yeah. 
is that was it like a plane ride where you studied the menu the whole we went to we were we went to Puerto Rico yes and you no seriously Stuart studied this menu backwards and forwards he knew every ingredient of every dish he knew every ingredient of every cocktail he knew where every wine was from he knew where every beer was from and then they took everybody that they had given this extensive menu to yeah and i'm like i'm going to tell your story they took everybody and they sat everybody down and they picked you first right no so we like filled out a little questionnaire and then they had me come up for the like one-on-one interview and it's funny that you mentioned beer and wine because she goes Okay, like, so this is a place that has a lot of shellfish, so I focused on the menu because I'm like, that shit can kill somebody. Yes. And then there was, they had a cocktail program, and like, I got to make sure I know the cocktails because that's, I'm a little nervous mm. about that. Um, but then they're like, okay, tell me three of the seven beers on our menu. And I'm yes. like, oh, I didn't look at that part. But, you, but the thing was, you looked at the descriptions of the beer. Yeah. But you, like, if they would have said... What is this specific beer yeah. like? You could have told them for every beer, but you hadn't memorized what the beers were. But it was all like bullshit. Like yeah, I can it figure. Like it's bullshit. one of the things where you're like, I work at. You work at a place. You go and you see what the fucking handles are, and you're like, that's what we have. Yeah. Like you don't. It was crazy. So it I was, was like, so I crazy. fucked it up, and then they're like, okay, well then tell me three of the wine, like name three of the wines, so and I'm obnoxious. like, oh, I didn't study you that were part too either. Good for that place. Uh, and like, luckily I didn't get it because you're like pretty allergic to shellfish. Yeah, you would uh, have come home smelling or reeking of shellfish, and I would have gotten a, a face rash. Yeah. So <laughs> luckily I didn't get the gig, whatever, and here we are. So. What had happened is you had decided that you knew that you wanted to open up another place. Yes. And you, uh, we had looked up and we had talked about it and we're like, okay, maybe we'll do like a bar gaming place. Yes. Because that's kind of my background. I think it went from like a gaming place for Stuart and a bar for me. And then it went like a gaming place that, that serves drinks. And then it went to a bar where you could play games. Yeah. And, yeah. And so we looked at the spot, and, uh, you know, it wasn't quite right. It didn't quite fit, and it looked like it was going to be a lot of work. And we didn't know how to do that work. And we didn't know how to do that work. And so we... We like, passed on. We pa- well, we passed on, and we kind of thought about other shit. And then, like, a few months later, we found out that another uh, a venue, Lucky 13, had actually opened yes. in that space. Um, and we... Uh, at that point, you were like, fuck this, I'm doing this. And you were like, if you're not going to do this, I'll find someone else. <laughs> well, no, I mean, kind of. Obviously. But, <laughs> but I was like, okay, we've been dragging our feet for yeah, about yeah. a year. And I felt like you weren't um, ready to jump in. Well, and yeah, I, I mean, it required and, a jump. Yes, yeah. and I was like, I'm ready to jump in. And if you're not ready that's fine, but I'm going to do this. So do you want to do this with me? Or should I try to find another partner? Yeah, yeah. And, and you were like... And you are no, like, no. do you want to... <laughs> do you want to do this, or should I fuck some other guys? <laughs> I wasn't going to fuck no, all my I partners. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's that kind of thing where it's like... Like, it's this weird, like, threat. Uh, and it, no, it worked. Um, and it was... It was I, I actually, I didn't mean it like that. Because, you know, when we first started dating... You had, you know, like, a corporate job, and I kind of envisioned this 
this beautiful life where like you had a steady job with like a 401k and health insurance and I was the one with the like job where like the money fluctuated uh-huh. and I would like have your insurance yep. and then when it became wouldn't that have been nice now when it became the life where like now we're both kind of like living by the seat of our pants I'm yeah. like alright I guess I guess we better do this right then because we have no <laughs> yeah. safety net Scra- scraping and grinding yeah, um, yeah no you I mean bye guys, guys. <laughs> we'll be in touch take care yes um, so it yeah I mean it was one of those things where like I knew I kind of felt like at the time, like I knew that was the next step, but it's it's scary, like it's a yeah. leap, and it was also a field like I hadn't worked a lot when I hadn't worked a lot yeah. in other places. So we start I we started looking, yes, and then um, after a couple of months of looking, we realized like this just isn't going to work with me also working at the beer hall. I was yes. working a lot of shifts and. Um, and I was basically like I I might not have been a manager at that point like my yeah, actual role shifted yeah. a lot, um, but I was still like I'd been there four years so there's there's a thing with managers or anybody where once you show that you can do something, once yes. you like ha- take the responsibility to do something, the the owner is going to assume you can still do it. Yes. <laughs> like it's not all of a sudden you like I've forgotten. Like, now how I'm to, not the manager yeah. anymore. Like. Um, and so I, I realized, like, I can't do both. So I didn't have a gig, but we knew we were looking for a space. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about looking for a space on another time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I gave my notice. And then, like, a week later, Ray from Commonwealth called me up and was like, hey, I have a couple empty shifts. Yes. Did you uh, – I never, I never asked. Did you, like, text him and were like – Hey, can you call Stuart when he's visiting his parents <laughs> so that he I, can tell them he got a new job? I didn't I didn't tell him when to call you, but I did definitely text Ray and I was like, "Ray, can you hire Stuart?" And Ray was like, "You want me to sleep with Stuart?" And I was like, "No, no, no. I want you to hire him. Please don't sleep with him." And he was like, "Okay, I'll sleep with him." And I was like, "No, no, no. Just hire him." Yeah. <laughs> and hence you started working at Commonwealth, which is where I used to work. Yeah, yeah, that's um, where we met. Yeah, um, it's where we met and where I proposed. Yes. Um, so and so I, I started working at Commonwealth, um, and I think, and also like I covered a couple shifts at Charlene's too. Yes. Um, you know, through the years <laughs> I'd covered like a few day shifts and a couple of night shifts, um, and it's uh, you know I feel like I. This was pre-Charlene's legendary bar status. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was hard because it's such a long bar. So, like... A lot of steps. Yeah, working those day shifts, especially, like, when near the end of the day shift, like, it's a... Like, you're running back and forth. Yes. And the fucking taps are so low. It has a super low tap system. So, you have to, like... The first time I did it, I had like back pain. Yes. So then yes. I had to start. Squat. Yeah, I had to start doing the squat. And the setup is weird. No offense, but the setup no is offense. weird because the uh, the cash register is right by the taps. Yes. So if one person is pouring beers, it's hard for the other yes. person to get to the cash we register. We made sure not to put our cash register behind the taps in our At subsequent yeah. bars. Yeah. Or minis. Yeah, minis. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a workout, and, it's a, and it was like a different thing, like working in a beer hall with a lot of locals. But like, 
I feel like the vibe at a beer hall was a lot different than working at like a classic local bar where like especially during a day shift where I have the like old guys who like old retired guys who just want somebody to talk to or the or the guys who are like shaking until they've had their third doer yes. shot yes um and like you know it's just a different gig and it's a different thing and and it was definitely different than working in a game store in all, in some ways, I mean, in those, there, it's a lot of like talking to people and being a place that people. I feel like a neighborhood bar is a place where people want to go and like talk to familiar faces. Yes. Whether or not, like at a game store, it's like they want to talk about something they're excited about, which is yes. games or whatever dumb bullshit they're into. Um, but like at a, I mean, I feel like you're. It's it's similar in a lot of ways, although there's mm. you know. Uh, it's it's a little different. I remember one of the first nights I trained with you. Yes. We had a guy roll in who was this dude who we we were talking to him and he it, we found out he had just gotten out of jail. Excuse me, I'm looking through my mask. That he had just gotten out of jail, which was just down the street from it's just down the street from Charlene's, right? Um, it's I mean not just down the street, down Hamburg, like two miles away. Yeah. Um, but. I think the difference between how you handle, um, let's say, an interesting game store customer yeah. um, is that you would, like, engage them and, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, like, get them worked up a little bit. And and, and you kind of, at least for me, it was, like, learning, uh, like, I would, like, talk to this guy and, like, you know, I'm a little, you know, talk to people and, like, a little back and forth and sure. <laughs> Afterwards, you were like, why are you leaning? Why are you so close to this well, guy? Well, the thing is, um, that guy walked in and my spidey senses immediately tingled. Um, and I've, I've been bartending for over 20 years and I've been um, a woman for longer, or at least a, a female. Maybe I wasn't quite a woman, you know. But, yeah. Um, so my, my senses are much more acute. And this guy seemed dangerous. And Stuart kept putting himself within grabbing distance of yeah. this person yeah. and I was like lesson number one if somebody seems dangerous don't stand within grabbing distance of them because then they can grab you the thing is Charlene <laughs> I'm like <laughs> yeah yeah I'm a I'm a, You're a tall, easy, easy going guy. tall handsome white guy <laughs> nothing bad's yeah, ever happened yeah, to me exactly um, but I mean, we have, we have this issue sometimes when walking home late at night, and I'm like, Stuart, Stuart, cross the street, cross the yeah. street, and and he has no idea what because I'm in super like hyper focused mode. It was it was actually looking. a it was actually a pretty good experience for me because all things considered, like obviously nothing bad happened. Yes, but um, it kind of taught me because like the one of the things that is a, a good indicator as to whether or not somebody is dangerous yes. is their eyes. Yes. <laughs> and like, like, you'll know if a guy is actually scary if you can, when you look him in the eyes. Yes. And that guy yes. had scary eyes. That guy had scary eyes. And, um, you know, I, like, sitting here at this moment, I don't remember how that interaction ended. Oh, it was fine. Like, he got a little weird a couple times, but I think he... He left, and then afterwards, you were like, "Why were you so close to him?" Yeah. Um, but that was back, like that was in the early days of Charlene's, mm. when uh, there wouldn't be that many people in at the nope. end of the night. 
Um, okay, so yeah, uh, and then, so I worked at Commonwealth for about a year, I was mainly doing day shifts, I covered a couple of night shifts, and it was fun to work in a spot. It was supposed to be just a few months until the bar opened, but the bar, bar took a never while. opened. But it was, you know, it was a really fun experience, yeah. and it's a great bar, and uh, I think they're closed right now for COVID, but yes. I think they're planning on reopening, and they're yes. kind of a, I mean, they're like a South Slope, Park Slope institution. Yes. Great jukebox. Um and uh, yeah, it was fun. I got to work at least one Derby day. They had a big, uh, yes, big party on the day. Kentucky Derby because Ray, the owner, is a, a boy from Kentucky. Well, that's where the name Commonwealth comes from. Yeah, but you know, when we get Ray on this podcast, we'll uh, we'll oh, talk more extensively about oh. that <laughs> for your first four-hour episode. Yes. So um, we've been we've been going on. So um, Stuart. Yep. Do you have any stories about your day to tell me? Hmm. Man, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of things that have gone on this week. The the problem with this segment that I that I've come up with is that nothing happens. Uh huh. So this whole you won't believe the fucking day I'm having is is difficult because the days seem to all bleed together. I mean, so. I, I mean, I do have a story. Okay. So yesterday I worked uh, the night shift here at Hinterlands. Yes. And it was, I, I mean, by night shift, I mean I ended up working basically a double because I uh, was working with you and then yes. I worked the night shift. And the night shift The closed, night shift ends, ends at, at 10, 10 now, so it's... Uh, but it was really busy. People, we made a post a couple days ago about how we were closing, so people have been coming out. Um, and it hasn't been like unsafe, but we're steady. Like people are yep. coming out and they're drinking and they're tipping well. Yes. Um, so everybody's being really generous. And then uh, we close up at ten, and it took a little bit longer than normal because we were like really grinding at like we had so much stuff to clean. Yeah. So I got home maybe around like eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Was I asleep? Yeah, you were asleep on the <laughs> on the couch and. Classic char. About a half hour later, so it was like maybe a little bit later than that, I like sat down and I started watching a martial arts movie. A little bit after that, we got a message on our Facebook page. Uh-huh. You had made a post about... Um, You'd made a post uh, about how we're going to have to close during the week and thank mm-hmm. you for supporting, et cetera, et cetera. And we have a neighbor who is this crazy person. Yes. Who uh, who keeps uh, texting and calling and calling the police on us. Yes. Um, she lives kind of close to us, but not but that close. Not that close. And like, she... And she'll she'll call the police and claim that there's a like, like a, a melee. Yeah, they, she claimed there was like a riot in our backyard, yeah. and it's impossible. If anyone has been to our bar, our backyard like, is you can like fit twelve maybe, by twelve. Yeah, there's we're not gonna have that many people there. But she she posted on our Facebook on our Facebook page that it's eleven thirty and we have drunk people there. And the thing is, that's impossible. Yeah. I I left there before eleven. Yes, and we. Because I know that she will call the police mm-hmm. at any opportunity. Yes. So the idea that this woman is posting at 1130 yes. on the second to last night that we're like Allowed kind of to be open, open. Like, it's already hard and it's just so crushing to have to deal with this 
fucking difficult person. Yeah. And like, I know, I know a lot about this person. Yes. I made an express effort not to be like openly mean to her, but it's she makes it so hard, she Charlie. She makes it so hard. And I mean, I I took a screenshot of her post and she basically said like your patrons are drunk and screaming. You have done nothing to protect the neighborhood or to raise money for first responders. Instead, you keep serving drunk people. And I'm like, number one, you don't know us or how much money we've raised for anybody yeah. because you raised a lot of money for a lot of people this well, thank year. Thank you, yeah. Um, so she's, and this was actually my, you won't believe the fucking day I'm having. So <laughs> she's, she's out of her fucking the mind. fucking day we're having. So go on. Yeah, and it, uh, it's, it's just so funny because, like, I've talked to people in her building. I found out exactly what apartment she's in. I have talked to the local liquor store we to find out. We know what booze she buys yeah, how and how much, much of it, and it's a lot. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> it's just so crazy to see this woman, like, I know what her Twitter profile is. Uh, and, like, it's just, like, the other thing is just knowing that this is a person who is is broken somewhere inside and nothing I can do can fix it. Um, I'm just trying to mitigate the damage she does to my poor little business. Yes. I don't know. So that's the day I'm fucking having. Well, well, I mean, I'm I'm a little surprised that you brought that up because that was the day I was having because I saw the post. So I had fallen asleep on the couch, and as I usually do, and then I usually wake up about an hour later and go to bed, and I saw that post. Usually you wake up when the cat is on the edge of the couch yelling at you. <laughs> yes. The cat gets nervous that I'm dead and huh? yells at me as soon as I fall asleep. Um... So, this is a woman that has sent me a myriad of nasty text messages. Um, Christopher, can I get a splash of Lafroig and a couple of cubes? Thanks. But it's always been these private messages, and I messaged her back to stop doing it, and she sent me a nasty message and then blocked me. So, this was the first time that she um, posted a message that was public, and I saw it. And I was really happy about it because I knew that our neighborhood people, that our community would see this message and they would finally give her the tongue thrashing that she deserves. Um, and before I got a chance to, um, you know, let our friends know that, like, look, she did it. She finally did it publicly. Um, Stuart had deleted the message because... Yeah. He didn't want anybody to see it and think that we were actually open at 11.20. Oh, you thought that's why? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I just, like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, that kind of, like, it's, our Facebook page is a place we can control. Like, I can delete yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that kind of, like, weird negativity just bummed me out. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, maybe it says something about my own personality where, like, if something I know is out there that bumps me out, I'd rather just delete it. Yeah. Um, but it was also, like, to prevent me from being, like, like, stop lying about us, you fucking loser. Yes. Well, I was hoping that other people would, like... I, I get it. Like, put her in her place, because we can't. Because, you know, we're... I am not arguing... Of the community. I'm not arguing <laughs> for what I've done. Nor am I arguing against your desires. This little little peek behind the curtain of our marriage. (laughs) All I'm saying is that that's how I felt at the time. 
I'm explaining myself. I'm not necessarily saying that's what I did was right, and I'm sorry I didn't consult you before <laughs> doing it. Oh, man. This has been another episode of Stuart and Charlene's Marriage Counseling. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said about people who start podcasts instead of therapy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny that we both had that. Um, yeah. Uh, I also would like to make a point that we... Uh, we lost uh, a part of the Park Slope Bar community this week. Yes. Uh, Alex Hedquist passed away, um, and he was a bartender at Blue Ribbon and at Loki, um, and we're all feeling for it. Uh, I think maybe on the Facebook, somewhere on the post around this episode, maybe we'll, uh, we'll attach the GoFundMe for his memorial. Mm. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, another, another part of the community gone. Well, now I don't want to tell any more jokes. I mean, you can tell jokes. I mean, like, I certainly think Alex would appreciate jokes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Being um, that he is one of the funnier people I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, th- I think we are we can just about wrap this up. What do you think? Absolutely. So, so please... So, th- that's, the, that's the story of Stuart Wellington's bar career. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good story. That's a good story. Um, please send me your interesting stories of your week uh-huh. to I Know the Owner Podcast at Gmail. I want to stress those do not have to be stories about bars at all. I just want stories about your day. You don't have to be a bartender. It can be about schools. It can be about parking. It can be about something that happened to you on the train. Um, just tell me something that happened to you you know, this week so that we can talk about it so that we can feel something. Yeah, something, <laughs> something to commiserate that you'd like to commiserate yeah, with over exactly. a, uh, over like a glass of whiskey yeah. or. So pour yourself a glass of whiskey. Um, I would like to thank all of our community here at Hinterland, yep. um, at Minnie's Bar, the partners, the staff, everybody for supporting us. We have felt so much love over the past few months. Um, we really love this community, and mm-hmm. we're really proud that we get to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, if you would like to continue to support us, you can send us a tip at Hinterlands Bar through Venmo. Um, you can email us at hinterlandsmerch at gmail. Hinterlands Bar oh Merch God, at Gmail. Oh my God, I get these wrong every time. Hinterlands Bar Merch at Gmail if you would like to buy um, a t shirt or a hoodie. And coming soon, bandanas. Oh, wow, bandanas. Um, yes, unfortunately, after the holidays, but you always need a bandana. Um, if you'd like to buy a Minis t shirt, you can hit us up at our um, Instagram page. And support your local businesses. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, it? Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. I've been Charlene Wellington. I'm Stuart Wellington. And this has been I Know the Owner. Bye. Bye. Okay. I know the owner.